It's now time for the Billy C Show, part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caliger, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. We'll give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book. Of course it is, man, my book. Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man of the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now where you're watching or listening to this very show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. And listen, if you want to get a signed copy, just visit our website, www.billycboxing.com and click on the book. You can't miss it. Um, I know we've uh, been uh, gone for a little bit, but uh, uh, we're back. And uh, we are kicking off a little earlier than usual today. We will be uh, live next week again. And then uh, afterwards, we will... uh, Next week, we got the Danny uh, Garcia-Sean Porter fight. So we'll be talking about that regular time uh, on Sunday. Uh, But then the following week, when we have the Triple G uh, Canelo rematch... We will uh, be coming on uh, as soon as that fight is over. So uh, make sure you uh, mark that down in your calendar. Today I wanted to talk about a, uh, a little about those fights uh, and uh, some news that has been taking place, etc., etc. But first, joining me right now, finally, we had some technical difficulties, uh, but uh, he is with me right now, as far as I know, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Billy C. How you been, my friend? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, we're almost, uh, almost there. Uh, we got to do a couple of little more uh, uh, fine tuning. I got this little, little black square in the corner of your, your shot, which I have no idea what it is. So I'm gonna have to work on that for next time. But nonetheless, uh, Sal, you know, a couple of things have uh, come up. Uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, first and foremost, we did talk last time about the uh, potential Tyson Fury going up against uh, Deontay Wilder. Uh, this fight has not been officially announced yet. Uh, we talked a little about it. Um, do you think this fight will be made, or do you think uh, that was a lot of uh, talk? Well, you know, I when a fir- when a fight was first announced, I really thought it was. Uh rather aggressive of Tyson Fury to choose uh, one of the uh, heavyweight champions of the world, but that's what he wants. He wants to get on the fast track, and uh, Deontay Wilder, for whatever reason, maybe he thinks he could beat him. I don't think so, and uh, maybe he's having that reality check. I don't know, but the bottom line is, you know, I say this all the time, Bill, and I hate to be redundant with it, but all we're seeing is all the fluff without the stuff. And they can talk all they want. What do I always say? If two fighters really want to fight each other, it fight's going to be made. Now, which camp doesn't really want to fight the other? I don't know. I thought both 
heavyweight champions, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua, wanted to fight each other. If they had done so, if they wanted to, and if they were going to make it happen for their own uh, challenge. Ta- Sal, you gotta you gotta hang out one second, my man. I I did not mean to uh, um, cut you off. However, we're getting some technical difficulties uh, with you every time we. Uh, uh, get you on the uh, screen. We are losing uh, our uh, sound, so just uh, hang tight there. Uh, one of the things I did want to talk about uh, was the fact that uh, uh, we have the Triple G uh, Canelo fight uh, coming up soon, and there's been talk about that. Um, Sal, could you believe that the stats uh, on the computer in terms of box rec are showing that Saul Canelo Alvarez is actually the number one middleweight in the world, and Triple G is number two. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's just, and I don't think it's uh, reality. And, and that's unfortunately, you know, Billy C. The the powers that may be, uh, the head of the, the sanctioning bodies and the organizations, they, they really get to choose who and what they they want to claim, and to some degree. I don't think this was a vote on the on the, on the majority of the people, the credible people that have the uh, ability to put put number one, number two guys up there. So I, I I think this is this is a far cry. How can he be number one? When's the last time he fought? Well, the last time he fought was against Triple G. So uh, well, I got this sound- part of my that's I, part of my it's part of my uh, being ridiculous. You and I have seen many uh, middleweight fights during this past year, and. Uh, you know, not that I would say any of the fighters that we have seen uh, deserve to be one or two, but uh, you know, for them to say Saul Canelo Alvarez uh, is number one, I think is a far reach, and uh, I I don't mind saying I hope that Triple G could could prove who's number one uh, when he fights as Saul Canelo Alvarez on the fifteenth. Well, I think that uh, I think that Triple G. Uh, either Triple G or Canelo are going to prove that they're number one. Uh, let's take a look uh, real quickly uh, at this. Triple G uh, is, uh, he did fight Vanis Martiroshian in his last fight in uh, May when he w- was supposed to fight uh, Canelo Alvarez. Uh, the last time Canelo Alvarez fought was uh, on September 16th of last year when he fought Triple G. Uh, many of us believe that Triple G won that fight, uh, although officially it went down as a uh, split decision draw. We all know the uh, uh, BS that took place uh, between then and now uh, with the uh, performance-enhancing drug positive test uh, on Canelo. Um, he still turns around. It's been um, heated between the two camps, uh, although uh, Triple G's camp is trying to uh, take the high road by saying that we're not going to uh, get into this. It's just ironic that, you know, the computer, which I respect uh, because it seemingly is supposed to take uh, formula of who's ranked higher based on who they fought and who they fought and who they fought and who they fought, etc., etc., etc. And, you know, when it all comes out, uh, I can't see how Canelo Alvarez is ranked number one. Um, you know, even when you look at the level of opposition, with the exception of uh, a big name like Floyd Mayweather, who he lost to uh, Canelo Alvarez back in 2013, uh, a lot of the big names, especially at middleweight, or specifically at middleweight, uh, all go to Triple G. 
Uh, I'm a little uh, disappointed that uh, uh, that the computer spits out uh, Canelo Alvarez as number one. I, I don't think it makes any sense, Sal. No, it, it doesn't. And that's, you know, you just mentioned all the minutia of what's been happening. And uh, it, it's still, uh, as they arrive at the answer, Canelo Alvarez is number one. I don't understand how they could arrive at that. But then again, that's why we're here talking about it. So let's uh, let's debate that issue and, and other issues. And uh, uh, we will see. We will see, at least between Canelo Alvarez and Triple G, in about 14 days, who is number one. And I can't wait. Yeah, well, I just hope that the fight goes off without any uh, added drama and, and everything else. Uh, a couple of fights I did want to talk about uh, is uh, is coming up right now. But before we get into that, let's just get over some news real quick. Um, Ryan Garcia fought uh, yesterday and won a 10-round majority decision over Carlos Morales. Uh, Garcia remains undefeated at 16-0 with 13 knockouts. Morales drops to 17 wins, 3 losses, and 3 uh, draws with 6 of his wins coming by knockout. Um, it appeared that there's some uh, dis- uh, I, there's some people that feel that Garcia lost this fight, specifically Morales, because after the fight, Carlos Morales said uh, Garcia was holding way too much. Overall, I felt I had a good performance. He was tough. He's young. He's fast. He has some pop, but he doesn't hit that hard. To tell you the truth, I won the fight. Um, the way the judges scored it, 98-92. Uh, twice in favor of uh, Kingery Garcia, and one judge had it even at 95-95. Um, I personally thought that uh, Garcia won the fight. He did run out of gas towards the end. And, Sal, this is what I, I say all the time, and this is just another example of it. Now, remember, Garcia is a young fighter. Um, I don't think he's 20 years old yet. Uh, he said after the fight, Morales, a great fighter, showed me what I need to work on. I felt it was closer with what the scorecards had. Uh, it was a great fight. I felt I could have done more. I got a little winded at the end of the fight, but Morales, Morales came to fight. I'm young. Time's on my side. I'll work on my craft. I'll be ready to fight anybody. Much, much respect goes to Morales. He was a game fighter. Um, that, the tone and nature of his comments, Al, seems to me that he kind of thought that he lost that fight. Uh, but thank God the judges were in uh, uh, De La Hoya's uh, pocket. Um, my point that I'm trying to get at, Sal, uh, is simply this. When young fighters come up, especially guys like Garcia, uh, who I think stands up a little too straight, et cetera, et cetera, but he shows a lot of promise and everything. And don't get me wrong, I think this guy is going to be a great fighter. And, yes, I'm using that word great. But by fighting, you know, yes, he's only had 16 pro fights, but because he, he has, you know, been touted as, as such a good fighter, his last two, including the, his fight last night against Morales, were the only two against step-up opposition. So really, out of 16 fights, um, you know, 14 of them have been against fighters that he's just blown, blown away that really, really didn't help him hone his skills. We talk about this all the time, Sal. This is a clear example. Not that I'm disrespecting Morales in any sh- uh, way, shape, or form, but this was a kind of a, an opponent that if Kingery Garcia really wants to move in the direction that his team is saying he's going to be moving in, he needed to win this fight convincingly. What was your thoughts? 
Well, the bottom line is, you know, they, they are trying to nurture him along the path uh, of greatness. And, you know, we've seen him fight, and he's a rock star. He, he's going to be... He's going to be promoted. He's going to be a, a golden boy. Uh, but the bottom line is, you know, he 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 has some things he's got to work on. You and I have said this after we've seen him fight. He stands up too straight. Uh, his defense is somewhat suspect at times. Uh, his punches and bunches need to be uh, delivered while he's on balance. And, and you know, I, I think against the lower-tier opposition as he first faced, uh, he was dominant. He was blowing him away. Now that they are testing him, and now that they are putting him up against competition, that it, A, he's going to start to get ranked, but B, he's having a little more difficulty. And if he's not learning as he's doing these things and, 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 and earning a hard fight, I mean, he's got he's to uh, regroup and do things. And I, 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 I want to give him a benefit of doubt. Yes, he has flaws. Yes, I think he is beatable at this time. Yes, they got to be careful of who they put him in a ring with, but they're trying to do that right now. And that's why we've seen the last two fights. He hasn't looked as dominant or as stellar, and he's testing uh, himself, and he's learning. Uh, do I think he's a, a great fighter to be? I'd still suspect, but we'll see, because it only takes we, – we've seen some great prospects uh, that, that didn't make the turn, and uh, they, they, they just vanished into the la-la land. Well, I hope that uh, I hope, I hope that he, he makes the turn. No, I, I hope think he makes I, the turn. I think he I will. Think he has the tools. I just the moral of the story here is that fighters are coddled too much, and the end result is it hurts the fighter. I know that the network and the manager and the promotional uh, organization that they're signed with all want to protect his O for the value and this and that, but at the end of the day, it's not helping the fighter get better. And when they get into that next level because it goes from you know prospect contender bam now you're fighting the real the real guys um if you don't have any experience with that level fighter on your way up or if your uh, level of opposition doesn't increase on your way up you're never going to do well against those guys ever well and, and to his defense though that's what he's finding now and he's winning but the bottom line is it doesn't have to look pretty as long as he's learning and applying into the next fight he goes into. You said it perfectly. Yes. He went through the prospect stage. He blew everybody out of the water. Now they're feeding him somewhat contendership and, and, and that diet. And if he learns as he goes through this motion, yeah, he's going to evolve and become better and better each fight that he goes through. Um, or as a couple other things I want to get to real quick. Danny Jacobs signs he'll deliver to fight uh, Sergey Devonchenko. This fight's taking place on October 27th uh, on HBO. I, I know we haven't mentioned uh, HBO too much. Um, this was the uh, fight. They it is going to be for the uh, uh, vacant IBF World Middleweight title, uh, and uh, this was the title that the IBF stripped from Triple G. Um, because he wouldn't fight Deverinchenko. I think this is a good fight for Daniel Jacobs. Uh, no disrespect to Deverinchenko, but he's not a draw. But Daniel Jacobs is the next guy that, uh, you know, after you're talking about Triple G or Saul Canelo Alvarez, the next middleweight that uh, pops in my mind anyway is Daniel Jacobs. So I think that's this is a good move for Danny. 
Uh, I'm not so sure if it's a great financial move for him, but nonetheless, he's going to pick up this belt because he will beat Deverinchenko. And then you'll see him uh, probably fight the winner of Triple G and Canelo. At least that makes the most sense. Oh, but wait, there's Billy Joe Saunders. So uh, he's yeah. still uh, floating around out there. So uh, we'll see what happens. Next weekend, Danny Garcia uh, takes on Sean Porter uh, in a... Uh, uh, in a uh, vacant title fight, um, I, you know, this is an intriguing fight. I, I, what I like about this fight, and we're going to talk about this one uh, a little extensively now, what I like about this particular fight uh, is the fact that both of these guys have been there and done that. And it's, I, I also like the fact that they're actually fighting uh, each other, which, you know, is something that... Um, the higher end fighters don't seem to do unless there's, you know, uh, something at stake. What's at stake with these two guys, Sal, is the fact that they get to move on and, and fight another day. Um, what I mean by that is both of these guys are, uh, are you know, established fighters. Danny Garcia has only uh, lost once in his life. Uh, and that was a split decision loss against Keith Thurman back in March of last year. Uh, he is 30 years old, ranked at number four in the world at welterweight. He did make uh, his claim to Fana Jr. welterweight, uh, but he did move up and uh, has remained up. His last fight was a win over Brandon Bam Bam Rios. Uh, he's five foot eight and a half. He takes on the rugged uh, Sean Porter next week. Uh, also 30 years old. And what I love about this fight is the computer sees him at number five. So theoretically, we got number four fighting at number five. Uh, five foot seven, Sean Porter. Uh, he has lost two times. Uh, one against the same guy that beat Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman. And then a very close ma uh, majority decision loss to Kel Brook when Kel Brook busted onto the scene, took the title away. What I love about both Danny Garcia and Sean Porter, Sal, is that they come to fight. Uh, Danny yes, Garcia uh, has, has you know, uh, sometimes he, he, he acts, he, he comes when he has to. He comes and pours it on when he has to. Sean Porter never stops pouring it on. Never stops. Punches you know, and bunches. Right. No, no, I, I was going to let you finish because I agree with you. He never stops. He comes forward all the time. He, you know, he's a dangerous guy in terms of, uh, you know, getting getting cut or whatever. But I like this fight. I think this is a good fight between two guys where the winner clearly will move on. And not that the loser is finished by any step no, of the imagination. Not at all. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that the winner is going to be in line possibly for the winner of the Deverinchenko and uh, uh, Daniel Jacobs fight, you, you never know what they're thinking, if they want to go right after Billy Joe Saunders or right after the winner of uh, Triple G Canelo. But then all of a sudden you'll have the winner of Garcia Porter, which becomes a very viable opponent for any of those guys that I just mentioned, Sal. Yeah, I think they'll be a viable but beatable opponent. But I think that uh, uh, against that real uh, upper, upper tier. But I think right now uh, I want to look at the Sean Porter and Danny Garcia, it's going to be a great fight. And you cannot discount Sean Porter against anybody because, like I said, he throws those punches and bunches. And sometimes, even though he throws a few scud missiles, uh, you know, there's always that chance he's going to catch you when you're not expecting a punch to come out of nowhere. And that's what he does. And one other fight I wanted to mention 
um, that uh, before before we take a break, we're going to take a break, and uh, Dax is going to join us. We'll get his thoughts on uh, uh, what's going on with uh, these big fights. Of course, uh, uh, the uh, fight that we're talking about right now, the Sean Porter, Danny Garcia, and then, of course, the fact that the Triple G Canelo fight is heating up uh, as if they needed to sell more. I, I do think they kind of need to get that back in the press, aside from he said, she said stuff. Uh, but we'll see uh, as time goes on. But a fight that I really like, and we were just talking about um, Sean Porter against uh, Danny Garcia and how that fight's going to be entertaining. Well, how about this one on the undercard of Triple G Canelo that we'll get to see in two weeks? David Lemieux, your, your idol, at least he was, David Lemieux was. taking no on more. taking on Gary O'Sullivan, Spike O'Sullivan. Uh, I wow. like this fight because the, I think that both of these guys are similar in style, and I can't see anybody um, that would look at this fight other than an action-packed fight. And the reason why I say it, Sal, is because both of these guys, Spike O'Sullivan and David Lemieux, are both kind of limited. David Lemieux is a one-trick pony. Uh, and uh, Spike O'Sullivan is very similar. You know, he, they come after you, and that's it. Uh, not that great a defense on either one of them. Um, David Lemieux is always questionable if he's going to come in shape. Uh, I, I like this fight. I, I'm, you know, I mean, I like it definitely. I would have liked to have seen uh, something a step above this as the co-main event for uh, Triple G Canelo, but uh, uh, I like this fight. What's your thoughts? I think it's a great fight, number one. Number two, I think it's it's doing what they want to do, and that's going to be leveraging this the winner of this fight to, to, to be back into contention for a title shot. I think both these fighters have the, the, the potential uh, to beat the other. I mean, it's a great fight. I mean, you have, yes, uh, Dave Lemieux, one-dimensional, one-trick pony, but a hell of a shot of right hand, and, and he could punch. Uh, uh, his defense is suspect and, and his conditioning, like you said. Uh, I still like David Lemieux. He does come to fight. You don't have to look for him. He's in the pocket. He's throwing punches. And Spike O'Sullivan uh, is, is like a bigger version of Sean Porter. He throws punches. He comes at you, and he's throwing them all the time to, to catch you. And uh, uh, maybe that's not the greatest analogy, but I like the style. Styles make fights, and this is going to make a war. They're not going to have to go too much further than a phone book to find each other. And this is going to be a fight, and I don't see it going past eight rounds. You know, it's funny you say that because the comments from both fighters kind of uh, uh, back up their their uh, uh, styles and what, what you're expecting yourself. David Lemieux said, I'm going to beat your ass. It's not going to be a walk in the park. Don't think it's going to be an easy fight. I'm not coming here to lose. I'm going to come here to destroy you. You'll see. You'll see September 15th. Keep training hard. You're going to need it. You're going to need every round. You're going to need it. Trust me. And uh, Spike O'Sullivan says, he talks about knocking me down, putting me out, and all of that. I've never even been on a canvas in my entire career. He's been down numerous times. He's been even beaten by several different opponents of seven styles, uh, several several different styles, I should say, like uh, Torbino. All different styles of fighters have beaten him. I think it's going to be a really good night for me. This is Spike O'Sullivan. I'm going to shine. It's going to be nice beating a former world champion as well. It look it'll look good on paper. So uh, uh, the talk is heating up, but you know as well as anyone, uh, all of the talk is cheap. 
until uh, they get in the ring. So, hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're scheduled to have uh, Dax Khan join us. And the one thing I'm definitely going to talk to Dax about uh, is the uh, World Boxing Super Series. They're going to be doing another cruiser uh, weight session, which I love. So, uh, listen, uh, don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll take a short break, and uh, we'll be back in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And yeah, we started off a little... uh, a little jumpy today with uh, some technical uh, issues. We apologize for that. We have a couple of new systems all were updated at once. And, uh, you know, you know how it is to tweak little things here and there, including how we get our, uh, our, our fellow uh, uh, experts to come on. And uh, last week, uh, uh, joining us right now, uh, my man Dax, and last week he's like, answer the f- would you answer answer the phone? You know, it's like, ah, I got to hit another button now. It's not the same way, but he's with us right now. Uh, what's up, Dax? Good morning. How's everybody today? Oh, I, I can hear you. Can you hear him, Sal? I can hear Dax. We've been chatting off <laughs> air. Yeah, I don't think I don't see all the chatting and the laughing and the goofing that's going on, you know, behind hey, the we'll scenes. Hey, we'll get you up. We'll get you up. But, but anyway, uh, Dax, um, the uh, World Boxing Super Series, I wanted to get uh, into that with you uh, real quick here. They added a cruiserweight uh, for a second uh, session, so to speak. What's your thoughts on this? I mean, I... I love it. I, I love the fact that they're helping promote that division. The ironic thing, and and maybe I'm just looking at it the wrong way, but the ironic thing is where we need some more um, exposure to the cruiserweight division here in the United States. It just seems like the lack of U.S. fighters involved, and as far as I know, there's no U.S. television yet. Uh, what's your thoughts on uh, the second season of Cruiserweight for the World Boxing Super Series? I think it's not only am I happy with it because it's an exciting division. I also think it's very smart because when you look at what's going on in the heavyweight division, it's very uh, dull. It's boring. It's revolving around two fighters, more or less, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. And... Um, Tyson Fury, you know, he's in there as well now, but then, you know, you see a lot of mandatories, a lot of recycled guys, a lot of guys that are at the tail end of their career, like a Povetkin even, and now you have this cruiserweight division, which, you know, is actually what the old heavyweights used to be, more or less, and this might be um, the rest of the best, so to speak, considering we know that Alexander Yusik is the cream of the crop in that division, but these guys here getting this international exposure, whether or not it's on U.S. television or whether or not it's on uh, the uh, design uh, app, the fact that these guys are out there, they're being seen more, and they are picking up all that slack that's not going 
on in the heavyweight division, and people are going to want to see more of these guys. And once that happens, as these guys start moving up, even though we have these massive, huge, super heavyweights, we're going to start seeing this heavyweight division, the size of these guys become smaller, more like they used to be around the 215, 220, 230 range, because these guys in these lower division in that lower division of cruiserweight is heating up. They're building a fan base. They're going to go up there, and the rest of these guys, their career is going to end up winding down. And one of these guys are going to lose, and people are going to lose interest. Remember something: boxing is a sport where fans have a short attention span, and they only want to see the guys that are winning and the guys that are exciting right now. And unfortunately, the heavyweights, even though when they do fight and they score these knockouts, you know Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua, they're not always that exciting. And the lead up going into there is not exactly what fans want to sit around and see anymore. These cruiserweights weight guys are always out there they're always fighting and they're always fighting the best these are absolutely the best guys going against one each uh, against one another bill you know there are no uh, second third rate guys so it, it really changes the game it brings it to a new level in my opinion i i agree with you 100 percent and Great. speaking of, speaking of the uh fighters that are in it i'll give you the matchups now and we do have one u.s fighter uh in here andrew to beast to uh, which is uh, a, a good thing. I'm glad that we have a, a, a U.S. fighter uh, here. Uh, but uh, Mar uh, the other thing I noticed, Dax, was that uh, several of these fighters were in the first one, which I like even more that they're in this one. Um, Marius Breedis, is, uh, he's taken on uh, Noel uh, Mikkel, I can't pronounce his last name, Mikkel Leon, uh, who's 23-1 and one out of Germany, and uh, Breedis is 24-1. Uh, uh, Junior Dorticos, I love this kid, uh, 21, 22 and 1. Uh, he's taken on uh, Matus Masternak, who's been around since, well, he's, I think he fought when Sal was fighting, but uh, uh, Christoph Glowaski. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm Chris, ready. Christoph Glowaski, another good one, going against uh, Meskim Vizilov, uh, who's also been around, and Ruslan Favayer, uh against uh, the aforementioned Andrew uh, the Beast to Beatty. Uh, what's your thoughts on these uh, cruiserweights in here, Sal? I mean, uh, Dax, I'm sorry. I think these are great matchups. All these guys that you've mentioned have come, you know, they come to bring it. Um, you know, they come to win. They don't go in there and just, uh, you know, to look good. They don't go in there to survive. These are guys that have that mentality on either you're going to beat me decisively or I'm going to be carried out of the ring. I'm not going to cruise even when I'm ahead. Uh, no pun intended with the word cruise. So th that's what makes this division exciting, and that's what makes these fighters in particular exciting. And they have just a different mindset than a lot of these other fighters. And because even the world champions, that this cruiserweight division doesn't get the recognition that it should, and these guys aren't getting the payday that they should, even these world champions and these elite-level fighters in this division, they have that hunger of a prospect on his way up. They want that overall recognition they want those big paydays and the only way to get those paydays these guys know is to deliver inside that ring and that's what they do and we've seen that in the very first uh super series in that tournament and we're going to see that again with no question in my mind anyway yeah i'm with you there all right fellas so here let's let's talk about this real quick um triple g and canelo i know it's two weeks out next weekend we got a good fight that we're going to be talking about uh when we come on the show next week uh, with uh, the Danny Garcia and Sean Porter fight. Of course, we'll be talking about that. Uh, but the week after, we got the big fight that we've been waiting for, and there's been a lot of drama going on with this fight. Triple G and Canelo finally going to take each other on for the rematch. My question to both you guys is simply this. Um, you know, at first, I felt that this is the type of fight that did not need super promotion or a lot of time promoting this fight 
And my initial thought was it was uh, the powers that be agreed because they didn't even have uh, the, the, the normal tour leading up, announcing the fight, blah, blah, blah. But since then, it seems, and we've talked about it on many, many shows after the first fight, it seems that a lot of interest on this fight has, has kind of fallen. And one of the reasons was, of course, the performance-enhancing drug uh, positive test that Canelo had, and then uh, him trying to turn it and spin it and blaming Triple G as the bad guy. What's your thoughts of what has transpired? And, and we'll start with you first, Dax. But what's your thoughts of what has transpired between these two guys outside of the ring as it culminates to them facing each other inside the ring? Is there a lack of interest? And if so, what do you think the main reason is? Well, it started off with the decision in the first one. Boxing fans are getting tired of these horrible decisions it's come to a point in this sport that you can almost guarantee if you wanted to make some money, there is a good 85% chance that any major fight that's televised, if you should go to a bookie and put down on there, there's going to be one scorecard of 118-110 or 117-111, you're going to win. And, you know, we've we seen that in the, in the first fight. And then on top of that, Triple G and, you know, aside from that uh, PED scandal, Triple G, he goes and he fights uh, Martirosian in the Stay Busy fight while waiting for this fight to happen during the whole uh, PD, uh, PED scandal, more or less, when Canelo was saying he wasn't going to take the fight. Um, they weren't sure if he was going to get suspended and all, and all that nonsense. You know, it, it kind of turned into a soap opera type thing. And now people are just losing interest. You, uh, fans are spending more time following what's going on outside the ring and all the drama there, then they're actually able to get excited for the fight. In the meantime, while that's happening, all these other big things are going around, and there's other guys out there who are stepping back in there, guys that are, are just as or even more exciting, guys that go in there and they're, uh, they're just as skilled or even more skilled than Triple G and Canelo, and guys that are going out there that are younger, guys that haven't uh, been manufactured, guys that haven't had uh, any gift decisions, and those are the guys out there that fans are wanting to pay attention to because they're the ones that are actually... Um, worth the money when you get not that Triple G and Canelo when they're in there they're fighting they're not worth the money but there's too much going into it you shouldn't have to invest so much time into getting to the fight as a fan as you should you know just to watch it when there's so much else going on around if that makes any sense yeah it, it does what do you think uh, Sal uh, with this fight I mean is has has the boxing fan lost a little interest in it I mean uh, uh, what's your thoughts I mean are, are these guys just going through the rhetoric of, uh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I mean, I don't even know what to think anymore. Canelo looks like he's in good shape. The last couple of shots of Triple G, I didn't think he looked like he was in that great of shape. He is six years older. What's your thoughts? You know, here's funny. Here's, here's a remark I'm going to make, and I don't know if you guys are going to agree with me or not. Triple G rarely looks great going into a fight. I mean, as you would expect. I mean, he looks good. He looks great, but there's no Superman underneath the cape that we're, we're waiting to see revealed. He's a consistent, workmanlike fighter. He just, that, that, that's him. He's not going to look too, too different, and I'm sure he's doing what he does best, and that's getting his mental state of mind ready for a fight. And I think he's also uh, working on his condition. His conditioning has always been uh, something that we've never had to doubt, and so is his mental state of mind. 
So this is the these are the things that the fight fan, the cameras will not see that goes on inside a fighter. So I, I think that he's just consistent being triple G. We're not going to see a Superman underneath that cape. We're just going to see a hard, workmanlike, thudding, heavy-handed fighter going in there, doing what he can do, and and uh, take it take the fight to uh, to Canelo Alvarez. I think Canelo Alvarez has got to prove a lot in this fight. Canelo Alvarez is going to be the one that has to rise to the occasion, step up, and be dominant in a sense to to show that hey, it wasn't the beef, it wasn't anything. I'm real. I'm here. So I, I think you've got great, great makeup on each fighter's side to go in here and want to beat the hell out of each other. And uh, I, I hope it's going to be the fight that rises to the occasion and is going to deliver what we anticipate. Yes, I do think all the rhetoric and all the, 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 the bull and all the, 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 the events leading up to this fight uh, was, uh, as they would say, past the marinating process. This fight should have taken place months ago. This fight shouldn't have had the tarnished image that it did have. But here we are as fight fans. When all is said and done and the smoke is clearing, we are looking forward to this fight, and we hope to see the better man win. And uh, and that's it. Hey, Dax, I got a question for you. Um, you know, the last when, – when, when Triple G and Canelo fought last year – we all expected to see Triple G and Canelo in the rematch in September. We all know the story. You know, uh, Canelo tested positive. The fight was ultimately canceled. Uh, then Triple G ended up fighting on that date anyway, and he fought uh, Vanis Motoroshian and uh, stopped him in, uh, pretty quickly in, in two rounds. Uh, he was criticized for that. Uh, his uh, defense was... Hey, you know, I trained for a fight. I, I wanted to fight. I wanted to stay crisp. Do you think that by him fighting Vanis Monteroshian will help him with his rematch of Canelo? And on the same token, is the fact that Canelo, even though he's younger, the fact that Canelo has not fought and will not have fought in one year who has the advantage here? Was it a smart move for Triple G right now as, as we're, we close in on this fight to take that fight with Monteroshian? And if so, will it, uh, will it help him? And would it have been a negative for Canelo to have not fought since the first fight? What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, it was only a two-round fight, as you stated. Um, I think that, you know, in the overall picture as a fighter, that's going to help him because he stayed active. Um, he stayed in the training camp. Uh, you know, he kept his mind sharp, and it he didn't allow himself to uh, mentally let go all that. You know, he, he found a better outlet to get rid of that, that frustration and anxiety instead of just sitting on the shelf and becoming frustrated, more or less. He went out there, and uh, he did his job as a champion. Was it uh, the ideal opponent? No. A lot of guys called, uh, said they wanted to step in. They didn't step in. No. Um, I think, you know, the real frustration with this fight, Bill, Sal, is the fact that Canelo was for years groomed as the next big star and the money maker in the sport. You know, he's being groomed as the takeover guy for Floyd Mayweather. And that's great. You know, there always has to be, you know, a top seller in the sport. But when you look back and people, you know, now they're, you know, they're putting it together as the drama unfolds and they have time to think about 
his career, you know, they say to themselves, you know, he won his first world title. You know, that was more or less a gimme fight against a, uh, a Matthew Hatton, who wasn't even a 154-pound fighter. And then he goes out there and he gets that loss to Floyd Mayweather. But they made that uh, what was it, a majority decision loss, even though Canelo didn't win a minute of any round. But it looked good on there for such a young guy who's going to be groomed to the future to only lose to the pound-for-pound uh, -pound best in the sport by such a... Uh, um, a slight uh, uh, margin. And then he goes out there, and most people stink, and I think that he lost to uh, Arislandi Lara. And then, you know, he goes out there and he fights a guy like Amir Khan. And he's had such a good um, PR team behind him that, you know, even though when Kel Brook, when uh, uh, Kel Brook fought Triple G, Triple G was tr crucified, and yet Canelo didn't get that same crucifixion when he went out there and he knocked out uh, uh, Amir Khan. And so Canelo has benefited a lot from the team behind him, and that arrogance is starting to show through and people are becoming you know very frustrated and annoyed with it they don't want an arrogant superstar they want a relatable superstar and Canelo does everything nowadays to make you not want to get behind him and Triple G at that point in time too because of Floyd Mayweather because of Canelo because of a few other fighters and because of the team behind him he didn't have that promotional push so he was fighting a lot of guys that people really didn't recognize as household names and even though he was racking up all those wins and then you have the, the world title situation Triple G didn't get a lot of the recognition now after uh, the 370 80 fights whatever that case is and now after his uh, professional career 36 years old his body's worn out his body's tired he started getting a lot of criticism in the Danny Jacobs fight and then definitely a lot of criticism in the Canelo fight on top of these uh, opponents that he's faced so Triple G is continuously on an uphill battle he knows that he's not going to get a decision against Canelo and all that stuff you know to me that you know really just worn everything out and mentally and emotionally I think that's worn Triple G out and and he just wants one last big payday, and he doesn't really know how this is going to go. So it, it's, it, this whole fight is bad for the sport, in my opinion. I think it just continuously lowers down the quality of the sport in the United States, at least. You know, Dax, before we let you go, you just stumbled on something that I'm scared if you're correct. Because, I, you know, I, I've been thinking the same thing. You said Triple G wants one last big payday, and he's clearly going to get it. Uh, in in a couple of weeks, do you think and and, and not to, because I've been I'll be honest I'll be the first to admit that I've leaned towards Triple G, um, you know with the all the the BS that went on with with Canelo I blame it on Canelo uh, you know as much as they try to spin it and blame it on Triple G I blame Canelo for us not seeing this fight uh, you know in May, but with that said. Do you think that Triple G is actually at the end of his rope and that he is, was looking for one cash out? Or do you think that Triple G, like Sal thinks, is going to go in there and, you know, have a performance of the ages where he really wants to take uh, Canelo out of there? I mean, is it the payday or does he want the win? I mean, what do you think really uh, is, uh, is Triple G's uh, motivation here? I think um, the, the win is the motivation more um, honestly. But when I say, you know, that one last payday is that Triple G, for all the fights and all the sensational performances and all the knockouts that he's given, Bill, he's never really got the credit for any of them that he deserves. Never. There are a lot of other fighters that would have gotten two, three, and four times that credit, and um, they would have become mega superstars if they had different people behind them. And so that's frustrating when you're 36 years old and you, uh, you've been an Olympian, you've had all those fights, and now, you know, your body is physically tired, you're at the end of your career, and finally this is, you know, the biggest fight of his career in terms of a payday 
okay, considering you know, even though he has you know all the, the majority of the belts, and even though Canelo, you touched on that earlier in the show, by a uh, box rack and certain other uh, computer organizations, he's considered actually the best middleweight in the world, uh, the lineal champion. Uh, they kind of covered up exactly the fact that you know he never really won that as a middleweight. He won that against 153-pound Miguel Cotto, who won that against a one-legged Sergio Martinez. And, you know that that's got to be very frustrating. You know it, it's you know it's uh, you're the world champion, and but meanwhile you're being you're uh, you know the undisputed unified world champion, but your career has pretty much been like that guy who doesn't have a promoter or doesn't have a good manager, and you're taking fights at last minute. If that makes any sense, you know you're the guy that's always getting short notice fights, and you're not getting uh, these quality of opponents that would have made you a big megastar if these opponents were to sign. Now you know before I go, Bill, let me just ask you this question: Do you see what's going on here? Not only with this fight, but with uh, the Tyson Fury and the Deontay Wilder fight. Uh, the the AJ situation we talked about the uh, the World Boxing Super Series. There's another um, uh, tournament coming up in London, the Ultimate Boxer Two. But meanwhile, sitting back quietly, and now in October he's invading the country and he's coming in with sensational fighters, not only from here but um, you know over in the in uh, in the UK. Uh, you know Eddie Hearn. Look at his stable. Look at the guys in two weeks that he's going to have here in uh, Madison Square Garden. He's going to have in Boston, and these are top names that you know. Everybody respects. They love guys that haven't gotten the break. And meanwhile, uh, uh, Eddie Hearn is coming over here into the United States, and he's not going about all this nonsense. Uh, when Andre, uh, Andre, he fights uh, Billy Joe Saunders. Andre had such a hard time with his promoters getting any quality fights. Fights falling through. He lost his world title without defending it because they couldn't get their act together. They would never approve an opponent. In his first fight under um, Eddie Hearn, he's getting a world title fight. Uh, same thing with Danny Jacobs. He's already getting himself a world title fight, and then you know he. Has uh, Katie Taylor, uh, uh, Cindy Serrano, Tevin Farmer just went with him. And you go and you look at his list of names, just building and building and building. And more of these American fighters are leaving and they're going with Eddie Hearn. And Eddie Hearn is coming over here. Now he has, uh, you know, he's on the new app. And does anybody see what's going on here? You know, Eddie Hearn is doing the boxing business. Everybody else is doing the promoting business, but they're not promoting fighters. They're promoting the drama. No, listen. I think I, I agree with you, but I think right I think you, you the, what, what came out of your mouth was a little towards the end was a little reversed because I think that Eddie Hearn is doing the boxing promoting. He's promoting his fighters. He's promoting networks that they're going to be on, whether it's television or or streaming devices or whatever. He's doing the promotion in today's world. Uh, uh, Sal's always talking about grassroots promoting where you're you know, running around back in the day you'd hand out uh, posters and everything else well Eddie Hearn is taking advantage of today's world and he's promoting these fighters and his events versus uh, some of these other fighters uh, promoters I should say that are just dealing with the drama so I agree with you 100% that Eddie Hearn he, he listen you know what? Eddie Hearn did what Oscar De La Hoya could have done. Eddie Hearn did what Floyd Mayweather promotions could have done. You know, I, I mean, we need a real boxing promoter that's not just thinking about, you know, one or two fighters uh, making a boatload of cash with one fight and flip, even top rank. Even top rank is falling behind when you're dealing with Eddie Hearn. So I'm with you 100% about Eddie. You know, uh, a lot of the promoters here in the States looked at him as just a Euro promoter, and he's proven that wrong in a relative. Hey, Dax, how about how, about, how, about how short of a period of time he's done it? When you think about 
how long he's been in business. Forget his father, okay, because his father was around uh, for a while. But uh, Eddie, Eddie Hearn himself, he's done it in a relatively short amount of time, but specifically a short amount of time here in the States. I mean, you got to give the guy credit. He's willing to open up his checkbook, and he knows when to walk away from a deal. That's what I respect the most of him. Well, because he's doing it boxing, you know, we stress all the time, boxing is an international, it's a worldwide sport. You can bring your fighters anywhere around the world. They don't have to be in one spot, and that's what Eddie Hearn is doing. When you look at his banner right now, when you look at the fighters under him right now, just, you know, in a quick rundown, you have Danny Jacobs, Demetrius Andre, you have Anthony Joshua, Ryan Burnett, Arda uh, Biterbiev, you have Tevin Farmer, you have Rocky Fielding, you have Katie Taylor, uh, Demetrius Andre, you have Connor Ben. the list goes on and on and on, and he just signed more fighters and more fighters and more fighters and he's bringing them around the world and um, one last thing when it comes to this uh, middleweight fight you know we have these two uh, middleweight uh, title fights coming up we have the Andre versus um, Billy Joe Saunders and then we also have the um, Danny Jacobs uh, against uh, Devorinchenko uh, uh coming up but then also uh over in china um in uh, japan we have ryota murata facing rob brant and now we have canelo versus triple g canelo and golden boy they kind of price themselves out they're going around they're beating their chest they're going around and you know how they especially if uh canelo should win this fight uh especially by knockout all of a sudden you know they're going to think the whole boxing world surrounds around them and these guys here you know you have yourself a four-way of uh elite level champions that can face off against one and the, uh, another, and they're willing to do so right away. You have promoters like Eddie Hearn. You have promoters like Tyken that are willing to have these fights happen right now. And where does that leave these guys at? This is why I say that the uh, interest is being lost because, you know, they're promoting one guy, they're promoting the drama, and the rest of the guys are fighting. And people want, you know, people want boxing promoters. They want fighters. You know, they're tired of the drama. There's enough reality TV out there if you want drama. You don't need it inside the ring, especially when you're paying $80 or $90 for a pay-per-view. No, I hear you. Dax, we appreciate it, and uh, we we'll look forward to you uh, next week, my man. All right, everybody. Enjoy the day. Take care, Dax. Dax Khan, you can check out his uh, column up on BillyCBoxing.com. Uh, and uh, I tell you, Sal, um, you know, he makes uh, some great points. And yes, speak, he does. Speaking of which, uh, I'm I'm totally with him when it comes to no, uh, no, Eddie Hearn and, and all of that. But listen, we're going to take a short break. We got Alex Papali joining us. We'll continue this. And I, I got an update for you uh, that we'll talk about as soon as the break. Uh, you remember that, that, that bogus record that Floyd Mayweather, uh, you know, brainwashed all the young fans thinking he was the only one to get to, to 50 and 0 and were constantly. Well, well, somebody. Somebody broke that record. So uh, I will talk about that, uh, and we will have Alex Papali join us. All of that is coming up uh, in about uh, two minutes. Billy C will be right back. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. 
And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. Special shout out to all of our uh, uh, friends on, uh, well, uh, not that I want to slide any of our uh, networks, whether it's TV or radio, uh, but uh, we do have some close friends over at uh, WGIG. We want to give uh, uh, a special shout-out to uh, my man uh, Scott and uh, all his buddies. Uh, we appreciate what he does for us. And uh, also uh, my main man, a fellow Jet fan, my man George uh, and uh, his crew over at WSMN. Uh, out of uh, Nashua, so uh, a couple of uh, close friends of ours uh, that uh, do us solid by uh, uh, putting our show uh, on the air waves, amongst the rest of them too. So, but joining us right now, uh, all the way from well, he's not that far, but uh, my man uh, Alex Papali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Billy C. How are you? Well, Sal and I are. are good morning, Sal. You we're, too. We're, good morning, Bill. We're, 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 good morning, hey, Alex. good morning, Sal. Glad for you to good stop morning, by. I'm here. But uh, hey, Bill, I got my I got my new Billy C. mug with the refacing. Uh, yeah, what's with the lips, man? <laughs> it looks like I have a banana in my mouth. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to redo that lip action there. You know, I, I'm noticing we had this little uh, black. Um, thing up in the right corner of of our shot it's not here now i don't, I don't know what's going on with that you know I, what's weird is now uh, on skype what it must be is you're getting sal's skype feed because i see myself in that little square so that must be your um feed no, um no. yeah I, I I don't know. I think it's just because you're local, uh, because the the output that everybody sees is both your mugs right now. So, and oh. I don't I don't mean my mug that Sal's drinking from. I mean the mugs on your you know. We got anyway, two mugs. Anyway, we better we we, better, we, we we and Alex is looking around. Is, is somebody behind me right now? But uh, uh, got, anyway, hey, there's, a, a, a there's, bit, well, there's a cat over here. <laughs> a bit of a bit of, that doesn't surprise me. And there's a lizard over there. But uh, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to stop our uh, discussion on uh, uh, Canelo and Triple G. However, uh, there's been a big. Big news in the sport of boxing uh, over the past week. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that aggravated the hell out of me was all of the talk when Floyd Mayweather became 50 and oh, And not only did it bother me that he did it against a pro debut fighter with Conor McGregor, but that whole 49-0 and record was really, and we talked about it many, many times, and um, I, I guess if you're older than 35, you could respect what it was meant to be. It was specifically for the heavyweight division because no heavyweight had ever gone 49-0 and 0 except for Rocky Marciano. Well, somehow, which he's been very successful at doing throughout his career, Floyd Mayweather kind of twisted that around and, and shammed a lot of fight fans to believe that no fighter has ever gotten to 49-0, and 0, which we've talked about many, many times on this show how uh, even guys like Julio Cesar Chavez was 80-0 and before he lost his first fight, and, and the list goes on. Uh, however, the 50-0 and record that Floyd brags about has been beaten. Uh, the WBC minimum weight world champion uh, Wayne Hang Menothin uh, won a fight in Thailand 
uh, last week. He beat uh, Pedro uh, Todd Duran uh, by a uh, decision uh, to improve to 51-0. and 0. Um, As much as we don't even know who either of these two guys are, that's as much as that record is, guys. What's your thoughts on this uh, uh, being beaten and how it hasn't even hasn't even really i mean with the with the fanfare that floyd got just because he's floyd this should have been all over the news and i think that this speaks volumes of how irrelevant that that was outside of the heavyweight division at least that's the way i look at it what's your what's your thoughts guys first uh what's your thoughts alex yeah i think you're right i think that's the thing about it was that it was sort of a uh, a manufactured uh milestone um, for a welterweight, that's for sure. Because yes, like you like you pointed out, forty nine and zero was significant because it was a heavyweight champion retiring undefeated. Um, so those were a few caveats right there. It wasn't. It was never that. No one's ever done that. Uh, but Floyd seemed to make people believe that no one's ever done it before. But I think that's. That's the nature of our world today is that if you have a big enough mouthpiece, you can make people believe a lot of different things that don't necessarily have to have any grounding in fact whatsoever. Uh, and, yeah, I think it's sort of interesting, too, because yesterday was um, September 1st is Rocky Marciano's birthday and August 31st is the day he died. Um, so it's interesting. Here it is September 2nd. And uh to see his record um, fall in such a in a way this week where no one even knew about it. Yeah, I think that's one of the things about lightweight those ti- those tiny guys minimum weight fight. I mean, we're talking that's what 105. So these are really small uh, people. And um, yeah, I as much as I love boxing, I rarely uh, follow those divisions. Um, you know, I, I read them in the rankings, but um, in terms of uh, getting to see those fights a lot, no, I, I don't have a lot of uh, knowledge about watching those guys. So I'm embarrassed to say, yeah, that that, that milestone, as significant as it is, it just uh, passed by like nothing. Unf- and- un- unfortunately, that we, they don't show those smaller weights as much and and you know yeah and and i you know a lot of times they're the most exciting fights but sal what's your thoughts on the significance of the 51 and 0 now i mean theoretically this guy should be getting some credit i mean it is still a a a feat that you know uh not many fighters reach uh but i just found it amusing that you know, a lot of uh, the Mayweather fans made such a big deal of 50-0, and 0, and now we're hearing crickets. Well, again, we're looking at Floyd Mayweather, who has been a stellar and fantastic promoter of himself. If he put his energy into his promotional outfit, we'd probably see some big things there. But he can promote himself, and that's exactly what he did when he was fighting uh, Conor McGregor. He said, hey, I'm going after this uh, 50 wins. Uh, the only one who have, has done it in the past and retired was Rocky Marciano. So, yes, even though you and I and Alex and, 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 some, and the majority of people and boxing specialists in the world do recognize that that was significant because it was a heavyweight championship of the world, and which is probably and arguably one of the most coveted titles in the, in the world that you can hold. But the bottom line is 
Floyd Mayweather made it irrelevant as far as, hey, guess what? It's just about a weight class, and I'm going to go for 50-0. So if it's just about a weight class, and uh, this one should have been looked at and promoted at that, that guess what? Not only is he going to uh, tie Floyd Mayweather that he already has done so, but he's going to break that and go 51-0. and And then it's a whole other ball game. But unfortunately, nobody else really wanted to bite that bullet and promote it. and and Because uh, if they did, we would have heard more about it. It would have been a little more noise about it. So, you know, Rocky Marciano still stands as the only heavyweight champion to retire with 49 wins, zero defeats, 43 KOs. And that's just a heavyweight moniker that uh, there's going to be another heavyweight that one day may may uh, uh, surpass that. But until then, Floyd Mayweather and this gentleman at, at, at uh, minimum weight, you know, all the kudos to them. And I, I give them the credit, but it isn't the heavyweight division. One other note uh, mention about good old Uncle Floyd Mayweather. Um, he apparently was at the uh, strip club yesterday or the day before, I think it was Scores, uh, and uh, brought a, a bag of cash, $50,000 from what it's being reported, and was throwing it out to the audience. Apparently there was so much money, uh, reports have said that when they were cleaning up the next morning, they were finding money, stuff that, you know, like that got blown around and air ducts and on the floor that people didn't scab up. So, uh, you know... Re- I had heard several times that that's what he gets when uh, he comes into a place. He demands that money that the 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 uh, ve- uh, the uh, venue gives him. It's not his own money that he throws around. Because if it is his own money, I could see the guy uh, going broke pretty soon. But anyway, Alex, let's get back to uh, what we've been talking about. And it's a couple of things. First and foremost, Triple G against Canelo is coming up. We will be doing a post-fight show right after the uh, fight is over. Um, I posed the question to uh, uh, Dax and Sal earlier. Now I want to get your thoughts. Do you think that these guys, that a lot of fans had lost interest in this fight because of the drama and uh you know all of the bs that went on surrounding uh the original first rematch and now we fast forward to being a a a week or so away from the fight and now it seems like they're resurrecting the he said she says i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that um do you think they're trying to do a little bit of damage control because there really hasn't been much talk about this aside from the uh reality part of it you know i'm gonna do this oh that trainer's a bum he doesn't know anything blah 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 aside from that in the press i haven't heard much of uh anything else i will say this that canelo does look sharp and uh like sal said earlier triple g looks like he always does he he's never looked like a chiseled uh fighter but uh what's your thoughts um, I tell you, my uh, excitement for it hasn't waned at all. Uh, my frustration has gone up uh, over this past year, but I'm still as excited as I was uh, after they read the uh, decision, and uh, I thought it should have it should have been a Golovkin win. Um, I did. I thought it was close, and I thought Golovkin made the mistake of leaving the door open for them to do that with uh, with the scorecards. Because um, he didn't, um, he didn't win the last few rounds, and that's very important, especially at the championship level, uh, to win the last few rounds. And Canelo was the guy who looked better at the end of the fight. 
Um, now, of course, that's, you know, that's why we're doing it again, because mathematically, if you win, you win. It doesn't matter what, when you, the order you won the fight, uh, the rounds, uh, it's if you have enough points at the end. Uh, that said, yes, I do think that people have become frustrated uh, over, you know, waiting all this uh, time and also um, the, with all the, you know, talk of cheating and the back and forth between uh, the trainers and stuff. But I think that that's going to help because as me and Sal were discussing, you know, before we came on the air, um, I, I think that that's. The, the one ingredient that I think was missing a little bit from the first fight was a little bit of passion. Um, I think now these guys don't like each other a little bit. Um, as much as they respect each other and they know they can hurt each other, they learn that uh, you know over 12 rounds, um, I think they're both a little bit angry, and maybe that's going to help. That could make for a better fight. I think the blitz, the PR blitz will pick up. Um, I've seen a few commercials for the pay-per-view, but you're right. It hasn't been uh, a saturation yet. I hope it does build because, to me, um, the only unfortunate thing about this fight is how long we've had to wait. Uh, it is one of the best. I disagree with Dax in the sense that I, I, I don't know. If you're a big fan, you're like um, you are standing there so excited. You've got like a single tear running down your face in anticipation of seeing these guys. Uh, you have to have a really short attention span, I think, if your enthusiasm has waned, um, because this is a great matchup. Of the matchups in the sport, I mean, there's like Vasily Lomachenko versus Mikey Garcia, Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder, Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence, Canelo, Triple G2. Um, those are the fights that most want to see. This is the one that the, it's been a bummer. We've had to wait so long, but that's why it's it's building, building, building. It's going to be so exciting when it finally gets here. Well, you know, one, one thing, I, and and the PR for this fight is all. He said this. I'm going to do that. She said that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Oh, that trainer doesn't know nothing. I think people are at the point. And, and earlier, Dax made a, a, a point about all the reality shows and stuff. I think, specifically with boxing fans, we've become, and, and this is one part where I agree where the there's no age breakup. In other words, whether you're a young fan or an old fan, I think we all share one agreement, and that's we've taken on this persona, this attitude of, Enough with the BS. Enough with the talk. Show me. Show me what you can do in the ring. Let your fist do the talking. Uh, do what you got to do. I don't want to hear that you're going to do this and do that. I, I think that that, 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 that type of, of PR is turning a lot of fans off. But uh, that's my opinion. Well, but hold on. Well, hold on a second. I think, I think you're right in the sense that we see that everywhere. Everything is polarized. Everything you see, if it's people talking about a subject on TV, whether it's sports, whether it's politics, everything is framed in a binary way. You got this side versus this guy, this side, and they're just both back and forth, and you never really resolve who's right, who's wrong. That's where this is different, and this is wonderful. This is what makes our sport the best. These guys are gonna punch each other in the face to find out who's right and who's wrong and who finally prevails. 
So I think even though that could end up being controversial, I think there is going to be a much greater level of satisfaction that people will get in this that they don't get in a lot of the other things where you're right. We have to put up with a lot of BS for weeks and weeks of just people talking past each other and nobody knows who's right. And it just generates tremendous amounts of traffic on social media sites where people argue this we're going to get a we're going to get a uh, a payoff for this and hopefully it'll be satisfying hopefully we do and like sal i was going to pose this question to you one yes. of the big arguments that um triple g and his team has said about the canelo fight and to uh reiterate what alex said earlier uh with the fact that Triple G took his foot off the gas at the end of the fight, and he, and he did. Whether he was tiring, uh, whether Canelo caught him a couple of times, we all saw Triple G catch Canelo, which put him on his bicycle. And the, the main thing that's been coming out of Camp Triple G is, well, Canelo ran. Canelo ran, he ran, he didn't want to fight. Is he going to stand and fight like a true Mexican? Is he going to fight like a Mexican fighter? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, Canelo, Canelo's response is, well, his trainer's so bad, he doesn't even know, I'm a boxer. This is what boxers do. You avoid getting hit. You know, he's ripping a page out of Floyd Runner Mayweather book. You know, you, you don't run on the other side of the ring and say it was great defense. That's not what it is. But my question, Sal, is simply this. Um, is Triple G in a position where he's going to force Canelo to not run, prevent Canelo from not running, uh, or is he going to act if Canelo puts on his dancing shoes and tries to outbox uh, Triple G? Is Triple G just going to throw up his hands and say, well, you know, he's running. He doesn't want to fight. What, what's your thoughts? No, I, I don't see that from Triple G. Triple G, G, let's give the guy some credit. I know that uh, he, he never really gets the kudos that, uh, that, that a lot of people would like to see him get after his performances and yeah maybe they not have been as stellar as we've seen in the younger triple g of late but bottom line is this this guy's a workman this guy's a machine this guy knows what to do and as i said i think his fight going ahead with mauritian uh mauritian uh back in may uh, i think an older fighter like triple g is he had to do that and i applaud him for doing that because you're putting the the body, the clock in motion. You're six weeks away from a fight. You're five weeks. You're four weeks. You're sparring. You're doing this. You're conditioning. You're peaking. So Triple G, to his credit, you know, has the machine. He has the the experience, and he knows how, when, and where to to get his body to be at peak condition. I think uh, Canelo Alvarez taking a year off. It may hurt him. It may slow him down. Is he going to miss a step? Well, maybe he will. Maybe he won't. But I, I think Triple G learned more from the last fight than I think Triple uh, than Canelo Alvarez learned from the last fight. I don't think we're going to see Triple G take off the pedal. I think he showed Canelo Alvarez too much respect because I did see that he had Canelo Alvarez on the ropes and he didn't unleash the the massive leverage in the punching positions. He was just exchanging some arm punches. He wasn't stepping to the side. He wasn't keeping him on the rope. He was doing what he had to do to do a fair exchange. He did take his foot off the pedal, and I still gave him the victory after the fight. I thought he was more dominant. Now, this fight, he's got more to prove, and I think he's going to want to be more dominant. I think he's going to want to show the world. This is the real Triple G. Shut your mouth, and here's what I'm going to do. And I think that's what we're going to see out of Triple G's performance that night. Now, he's got to cut the ring off. And if Canelo wants to run, 
That's what Triple G could do. He's an adaptable fighter. He can look at the style of fights. To Sugar Leonard and Roberto Duran, all those old greats, that's their credit too. They can assess with their style of fighter that they're in with, and they can make the changes and the adaptations. That's what Muhammad Ali did. He was a great, great, great champion. That's what Sugar Ray uh, Leonard did. That's what a lot of these great, great fighters can do. And, of course, that's what Floyd Mayweather does. He gives away the first couple of rounds. Now, I don't suggest that Triple G or anybody should give away a round, but I think we're going to see more dominant, more uh, aggressive Triple G in this fight because he realizes the mistakes he learned from the past fight. And I hope that they come to fruition, and we'll see what happens. But I, I picked Triple G. I know we're not calling it now, but I, uh, I, I picked Triple G for late fight knockout. Hey, Alex, uh, you know, I have always said, and Sal just stumbled across that, like, uh, and got me thinking. You know, I've always said that I thought that Triple G was the best ring general in the sport of boxing, best one we've seen in in. Probably 25 years, way back, and and I didn't even put, you know, when people always say, well, what about Floyd Mayweather? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't put him in the same category because Triple G has always been able to uh, cut the ring off and and you know anticipate where his opponent's going to be and be there first and really throw off the game. Where Floyd Mayweather was great defensively, but he used his feet to aid him in that, whereas Triple G used more um, of what I call the term ring generalship. Uh, but but with that said, and and I agree with Sal, I think that um, Triple G does have to become the ring general that I think he is, or or rediscover his ring generalship against Canelo. But but I have to ask you this: Canelo must have done something in that second half of the fight to prevent or uh, stop Triple G from going in for the kill. I mean, to suggest that it was anything other than that, I can't accept someone telling me, well, Triple G thought he won the fight, so he was taking it easy on Canelo. Or even worse, you know, uh, uh, Triple G was carrying Canelo for the last couple. I mean, I I can't think of any other reason other than Canelo must have connected several times with some kind of a shot that made Triple G say, whoa, I'm going to be cautious here. I'm not going to go in for the kill. I'm going to wait for an opening. The opening didn't come. The fight ended, and we got a draw. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I, I absolutely think that's what happened. And I think that that's um, there's a moment um, in the fourth round, I believe it was, where you see uh, uh Canelo go back to the ropes and Triple G press him and hesitate, hesitate, and then just sort of paw with jabs. That doesn't look like Triple G. Uh, that's He's not confident to go in there because he knows he's getting countered with something hard that he can't see coming. Um, that's, what, that's why he didn't cut the ring off the way he usually does. See, I disagree with you a little bit because I don't see it as much as him being a great ring general. I think he's used great ring generalship in fights against somewhat limited opponents, not against movers. And he's he's a terrific puncher. He throws lots of punches. He's a pressure fighter, an aggressive guy. The style I really like, that's usually why I, I tend to be more of a Triple G fan than the counterpuncher fans. I'm not a big fan of them. However, Canelo used it so effectively in the first fight Um where you, you're able to throw less punches, but the punches you do throw are much more significant. 
your uh, accuracy is better, and you get you force the other guy into hesitating. That's what we were seeing against. See, the thing is, Golovkin looks beatable against good movers. Um, yes, he does. Against Daniel Jacobs and against Canelo, he doesn't look like Cane uh, Golovkin the destroyer, where he's able to walk down a guy, make the ring into smaller and smaller squares, and then take you out. He can't do that as easily. He's going to have to try, but he can't do it against really good movers. Yeah, but that, like, let me throw one. Against, let me throw one other thing at you guys. He can't do it. Maybe he can't do it against really good movers. But the, the the two guys that you mentioned that he struggled with a little bit, Daniel Jacobs and Canelo, are both big. You know, I, I what used to bother the what used to bother the hell out of me when when there was always that talk of you know Floyd Mayweather should fight Triple G. I mean that would have been a, a similar fight to Sugar Ray Leonard Marvin Hagler type of a thing. Great fighters do that. Floyd didn't have the you know what's to do it. Uh, and then the, the, the argument would be, well, Floyd's such a little guy. Triple G is so big. And I'm like, no, he's not. Floyd would be the same size, if not bigger than Triple G. And then you see him in the ring with Canelo. You see him in the ring with Daniel Jacobs. You know, I, Billy Joe Saunders was in uh, the ring, not with him, but with uh, other fighters. And you say, wow, these are big middleweights. Triple G is not a big middleweight. You know, so maybe the combination of uh, hand speed, movement, and size nullifies Triple G from being that battering, uh, you know, seek and destroy type of a fighter. But, hey, that's what makes uh, the fights uh, interesting. So, um, hey, one thing I, I got to ask you, Alex, before we let you go, um, a big fight next week. We'll be uh, doing the show uh, again Sunday, and we'll be talking about it. But Danny Garcia has taken on... Uh, um, uh, uh, Sean Porter in, in what I think is a, a really good fight, uh, not only between two guys that I think match up well together, but it's significant because there's so many opportunities for this winner um, to move on with some of these other big middleweight fights that are taking place. So, uh, you know, this guy, the winner of this fight is going to really position himself uh, as an opponent. What's your thoughts on this fight? Uh, Danny Garcia uh, against uh, Sean Porter. How do you see it going? What's your early prediction? Uh, this is a tough one for me because, um, you know, I try to be uh, analytical and not um, a fan. Uh, but I, if there's one fighter I probably dislike, uh, and I, I don't, I use that word, you know, sparingly, but um, <laughs> it's probably Danny Garcia. And Sean Porter is a guy who, how can you not like, love him? How can you I not love him? I love him. It's he's true. awesome. Uh, he's a grinder. He's a pit he bull. He is. Um, I am really looking forward to this fight, and I am rooting for Sean Porter. Um, I do think Danny Garcia has more skills, but that's just it, is that Porter is fights you in a, in a style that, your skill, you're not going to need skill in here uh, against me. You're going to need all your skills, but you're going to need will too. And um, and I think that uh, that's why I'm rooting for Porter, and I'm looking forward to a, a tough, grinding fight um, where you do have a guy trying to outbox the cruder uh, puncher, and those fights are always fun. So I'm looking forward to it. And the thing that uh, the, the, the thing 
The thing part is that's not even Danny Garcia's fault. It's his dad. I was just going to say, I was going to ask you, I was going to say, is it is it more his dad? Because, you know, Garcia actually, uh, you know, he he lets his dad do all of that, that, that BS, you know, and, and well, he's. That's, I, that's the part is that he lets him do it because if, if, if you know, if I, if it was my career and I don't know. But I know what it's like to have a heavy father, so maybe uh, he has no choice. I don't know. Or maybe maybe he takes advantage of the fact that his father can deflect it by being the fool and Danny can just do what he's got to do. The one thing I've always admired about uh, Danny Garcia is that he's been on the big stage. He was groomed for it since he was an amateur. Uh, he was under the management of Shelly Finkel for a long time and uh, has been successful um, it is going to be an interesting fight, but like you, uh, I love Sean Porter. I love well, the story. There's, there's, if you go on YouTube, there's a couple of raps that Danny Garcia has done. Those are reasons to dislike him. <laughs> okay, well. all right. Well, uh, that would help too. But <laughs> they're pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, Alex they made Jones look like um, you know Eric B and Rakim. Oh God, uh, y'all must have forgot, you know. But uh, anyway, Roy Jones, Alex. Appreciate your time, and uh, we will be looking forward to you next week when we're talking post Danny Garcia against Sean Porter, my man. All right, guys, take care. That's, take care, uh, Alex. That's Alex Papali, and uh, you can catch him uh, uh, on our website and all that happy stuff. But what do you think, uh, uh, Sal? Are you um, uh, are you with Alex in terms of uh, you know the Danny Garcia situation? You know, I'll tell you what, Danny Garcia, I think he's a great fighter. I like him. He's a good man. But as Alex said, how could you not like Sean Porter? I mean, I love Sean Porter. Scud missiles and all. I mean, any aggressive fighter that comes to fight, stays in the pocket, has the heart. Whoops. We just lost uh, Sal. Uh, we will uh, get him back on. So, uh uh, I will. Uh, I I apologize for that, but uh, uh, in any event, yeah, I, I, I'm not. I, listen, I'm the same way. Uh, I you know I don't have anything against um, you know Sean. I mean uh, Danny Garcia at all. Um, you know I I, I personally uh, uh, like him, uh, but um, uh, it's interesting to uh, to see. I don't know what happened to. Uh, uh, to my man uh, Sal here, but uh, uh, in any event, uh, we will uh, we will try to uh, get him back, uh, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll have him back on here in a second. But uh, uh, in the meantime, uh, I have an email I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, this is uh, from uh, my man uh, Rick, and it, it was interesting. He sent it to me um, a little. Uh, uh, a little wit a little bit ago um but uh uh he, he, the, let me read it it's he says hey billy c are there any copyright laws that prevent you from calling a fight live on a stream i'm sure a lot of your listeners would love to tune in and listen to you break down a fight with one of your co-hosts i'd much rather tune in uh for that than most of these other clowns on the networks uh that uh, uh that trot out there um, the answer to that question uh, is uh, yes, there are copyright laws. And I, I don't think, Sal, do we have you on the line? Well, we don't have your video. So uh, uh, I, if, if you're on, you got to flip your video on and then we'll get back to him. So I, I uh, apologize for that. But 
yes, there are uh, copyright laws. As a matter of fact, when we used to do, um, when we used to, there, there, there he is. You know, hey, uh, what, what happened? I'm you know, I'm back. But, uh, I'm back. but anyway, uh, yeah, glad to have you uh, back. But uh, yeah, I'm answering a, a email and uh, um, the, uh, the way it works is uh, simply this. Uh, we are not allowed to call a fight. As a matter of fact, Dax used to come on and he used to play a video in the, in the background. No sound or anything. Just like, you know, he used to just put, it was part of his set where you'd have some fights going on in the background. And I got called and flagged for sh illegally showing the fights. I couldn't even tell you who the fight was. It was just in the background. We've gotten flagged for playing a song or a piece of a song. Um, we used to do post-fight shows. Batman is exactly one of them. We used to do post-fight shows and were not allowed to show anything to do with the live fight. And Sal and I used to come on and talk about the round, what took place in the round, and we were even not allowed to tell you any type of blow-by-blow. Blow. So as much as we would love to do that, um, we can't do it. Now, what Sal and I did do with our Boxing Revisited uh, series is that we got permission from the people who had the rights to the video to rebroadcast it and that's when we were able to do that so if you've never caught our revisited shows uh let me know and i can uh, uh hook you up at one of those uh, i'd but, like to revisit them yeah but uh but in any event um so you know sal let's talk about the uh the fight uh sean porter against danny garcia um how do you see this fight going i mean um you know uh, from start to finish, it is a fight that's going to be taking place next week. We will be talking about it uh, this time next weekend. Uh, the fight will have already taken place, but uh, we will uh, be talking about it, giving everyone our thoughts. Uh, it is a big fight for the welterweight division. Both of these guys share a loss to uh, Keith Thurman, uh, but uh, uh, the winner uh, of this fight uh, will uh, definitely have some opportunities uh, as time goes on. Uh, the welterweight division is uh, is hot. Uh, we got uh, Errol Spence looking for opponents. So the winner of this fight is in a great position. And you never know, uh, they may move up and fight a, a middleweight. Who knows? But uh, as far as this particular fight, Danny Garcia against Sean Porter for a vacant title, what's your thoughts? How's it going to go? I think it's a great fight for both fighters. I think really to see these guys step up, and one walk out of the ring with a belt is going to be very big and significant in this division. Uh, the fight going in, they, as you suggested or as you, you mentioned, they both had a loss to, uh, to Keith Thurman. And I think, uh, you know, whether we, uh, whoever we're voting for, uh, rooting for, hey, hey, I think it's, a, I think it's a close to a 50-50 fight. How I see this fight going I see definitely Garcia being the boxer more so and, and stepping back and assessing a little bit. Uh, I, I know what I could expect from Sean Porter. I think he's going to be aggressive. He's going to come in, and I think he's going to be throwing punches and bunches as he always does. And I think that's going to give Danny Garcia enough to think about to be on the defensive and to be careful to look to counterpunch. And I see that fight going on with the aggressive style of Sean Porter. 
maybe uh, and the boxing skill of Danny Garcia, being on the receiving end, avoiding some pitch punches, slipping some punches, but still being an aggressive fighter as himself. So I think it's going to be a good even exchange. And I, I'm afraid to say that I see possibly during the middle of this fight uh, Sean Porter sustaining a cut because uh, he, of his style through either a headbutt or or, or, hard, or or punches, but that's not going to stop him. So if the referee doesn't stop the fight by a cut, I think that Sean Porter could be aggressive, and at the end of the fight, if it does go to distance, maybe Sean Porter will have his reward. If not, Danny Garcia is going to hold on, and uh, as I suggested, maybe he'll have the fight stopped in the middle, middle of the rounds with a cut that he uh, had given to uh, to Sean Porter. But other than that, I see this fight uh, going pretty much the distance. Um, yeah, I mean, going the distance, uh, uh, I could see it. But when I look at these two fighters, Danny Garcia is the blue chip guy. Danny yeah. Garcia, like I've said time and time again, Lunch pail, lunch pail. Well, well, I, when I say blue chip, I mean he's a guy that was brought you up bet on. Um, yeah. that he uh, had a great amateur career. He was brought into the pro ranks. He signed with a, 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 an experienced manager. He was on the undercard of a lot of big stage fights. He was yes. moved along. Uh, he was on this show several times. I got to break out the the audio clips of Danny Garcia when he was on the show, because there was a couple of times when I said, oh, so when you become uh, a world champion and all rich and famous, are you still going to come back on the show? And he was like, oh, yeah, definitely. I definitely will. And he's and he hasn't. So uh, uh, so I'm going to I'm going to break those out. But, uh, um, you know, when I look at these guys, Danny Garcia has had uh, a great uh, career. He's fought, uh, you know, relevant fighters. Uh, and beat them uh, at the time. Uh, you know, you got to go all the way back. I mean, when you go back to uh, even even 2010, he fought Ashley Theophane, uh, which was a good close fight, beat him. Uh, Christopher Fernandez, which is a journeyman, beat him. Mike Arenudis knocked him out. Uh, took care of Nate Campbell, uh, which, you know, wasn't hard to do for him. Uh, won a unanimous 10-round decision. Kendall Holt beat him. Eric Morales, yes, the uh, uh, main uh, Eric Morales, uh, Hall of Fame, definitely Hall of Famer. Amir uh, Khan, he beat him. Uh, had a rematch with Morales, beat him. Zab Judah, Lucas Matisse. These were all fighters that Danny Garcia fought and won. Uh, Lamont Peterson, Paulie Malinaji, Robert Agos Guerrero. It's a great um, resume. A great resume, undefeated. And then he stepped in the ring in March of 2017 with Keith Thurman. And a lot of people thought he won that fight. Uh, it was a typical Danny Garcia fight. Uh, he rocked Thurman in it, uh, took his foot off the gas, similar to what Triple G did. Uh, against Canelo and ended up losing a 12-round split decision uh, at the hands of Keith Thurman. Uh, I think that might have even been Keith Thurman's last fight. I haven't seen him. Uh, I think it him is. Since I think so. it is. But it now, um, Danny Garcia fought about a year later um, in his last fight against Bam Bam Rios. That was February of this year. So he he went almost a year without fighting. Uh, there was also talk of uh, his pops wanted him to retire. Um, said he didn't need to prove anything, was a multimillionaire, did not need to keep fighting. Uh, Danny Garcia decided to uh, uh, think about it and uh, came back and fought Bam Bam Rios in February of this year, which ultimately has set up 
this showdown with Sean Porter. Now, Sean Porter is a great story. You know, he started out uh, heavier and has actually lost weight um, to end up in uh, the welterweight division. Uh, was uh, I think his first fight, he might have even been a uh, super middleweight. Went down to middleweight, junior uh, middleweight, and then ultimately welterweight. Uh, did not have, does not have the resume of Danny Garcia. But when you look at um, Sean Porter, and by the time he was fighting in 2013 and beating guys like Phil LaGreco and Julio Diaz, uh, Devon Alexander beat him in 2013, Paulie Malignaggi, uh, he was a world champion, and then lost a close majority decision uh, to Kell Brook, who incidentally had to come to the StubHub uh, in California to win that title, and we all know uh, how uh, he went from there. Uh, but uh, Sean Porter started having a hard time finding fights. People were hesitant to fight him. He fought uh, Eric Bone, uh, beat him. Then he got in the ring with Adrian Broner and opened up a good old can of you-know-what on Adrian Broner, won a 12-round decision, and then he stepped in the ring with Keith Thurman. Um, the difference between the fights with Keith Thurman and Danny Garcia versus Keith Thurman and Sean Porter, Keith Thurman was able to outbox um, Sean Porter and win a unanimous decision. Um, Sean Porter fought... Uh, about a year later, a little less than a year, against Andre Berto, knocked him out. And then he fought in November of last year against Adrian Granados. Uh, the moral of the story here is both these fighters have very similar uh, records, although Danny Garcia has fought the tougher opposition, or at least a more known opposition. They're both the same age, 30 years old. Uh, five foot eight and a half for Danny, uh, five foot seven for Sean Porter. Um, you know, 28 wins, 17 by knockouts, two losses, and a draw for Sean Porter. Uh, 34 wins, 20 by knockouts, one loss uh, for Danny Garcia. Uh, like I said earlier, Danny Garcia is ranked at number four in the world by the computer. Sean Porter, he's ranked at number five. I'm with you 100%, Sal. I think that what's going to happen in this fight is what happens in all Sean Porter fights. He's going to come at you. Um, he's going to try to take your head off. This guy never gets tired. He's a bull. He's going to come at you. Danny Garcia is going to try to uh, be the bullfighter. He's going to try to use his boxing ability, which he has. But Danny Garcia can also uh, throw a mean left hook. So he's probably going to try to catch Sean Porter coming in. The problem is Sean Porter has such crazy movement whether it whether it, it's helping him or not it's hard to hit i also agree with you that there's most likely going to be some cuts unintentionally of course but there will be some cuts sean porter uh, has a tendency to go in with his head because of his attack style he does leave himself open he throws his punches kind of wide danny garcia if he's able to stand in that pocket and be in a good counter puncher which he is should be able to pick uh, Sean Porter apart, similar to the way Keith Thurman did. The problem is, it's easier said than done when Sean Porter is coming at you. I don't really have an official pick on this fight because I kind of like both fighters. I agree with Alex. I don't like Danny Garcia at all. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't like Danny Garcia's father at all, but I like Danny. And, you know, I, I think he's a talented fighter. But if I have to pick a fighter, 
to win this fight. And I look at the talent level alone, and I see that Danny Garcia has the talent level. There's one thing that I think Danny is lacking that Sean Porter is not, and that is the desire and the will to continue with his career. I think Sean Porter has this sense that he's got unfinished business. He was a world champion. He lost the title in a, in a kind of a controversial manner to Kell Brook. Has not gotten a title back. Danny Garcia had a title, won a couple of fights where some people thought he may not have, then lost his fight, uh, title, then was contemplating whether he even wanted to continue to fight. Um, the mindset is different between these two yes. guys, and I'm leaning towards the guy that's a little hungrier. I think Sean Porter's going to win this fight, and I don't think it's going to go the distance. Uh, Danny Garcia does have a solid chin. He's been in there with some bangers. But if Sean Porter can work the body effectively, something I'd like to see him do more than he really does, work that body in the first half of the fight, then go in for the kill, I'm thinking Sean Porter uh, could stop Danny. It's tough for me to pick against Danny Garcia because I really like him. But, uh, but I'm picking uh, Sean Porter in this fight, Sal. Well, you know what? You you arrive at, at such a – you go through the whole, I guess, the definition and dis, disposition of what the qualities of each fighter uh, possess. And, and, I mean, you said it so eloquently, and I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, uh, Danny Garcia is a good fighter, a solid fighter. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it takes more than just skill. There are so many attributes. You know, you look at – you look at one of my old favorites, Vito Antifermo, middleweight, unbelievable. Had the conditioning. He had heart. He had desire. He had a chin. He didn't have too much pop on his punch. But he fought Marvin Hagler to a draw, and he fought everybody, and he beat a lot of guys. And you know what? So I think Sean Porter has that mindset. What you said as far as unfinished business, that is a driver in one's mind and soul body and soul that really you cannot quench that thirst or fulfill it until you reach your goal so with that being said if that's the driver that we see in sean porter i uh i think he's going to be that relentless victor at the end of this fight and uh you gave the breakdown so so perfectly and uh, I, I agree with you don't get me wrong Da I no. mean, Danny Garcia is the better fighter. Danny, oh, yeah. Dan He's a better boxer. He's more capable. Exactly. But he, when he, you look at the unsaid, when you look at the spirit, the soul, the body, the mindset, you know, you're relentless because your mind, your heart, your soul, you don't want to stop. You are you are not fulfilled with that thirst. You don't have it quenched yet. And and that's what keeps a fighter going. It's uh, listen. Danny has got the the, and you said it, uh, the better boxing ability. There's no question about it. Um, and you know, I'm sure he's got desire and stuff. But Sean Porter takes it up another level. I like both fighters. I love the fight. I think that Me the too. fight uh, is is a good one. Uh, unfortunately, we I would have been nicer to see it sooner uh, than it is. But hey, it's here, and uh, I, I, I'm I'm I love the fight and. Uh, uh, I'm uh, I'm anticipating uh, uh, some big things with that, but uh, in any event, hey, listen, don't forget if you guys want your uh, comments, questions, concerns, thoughts, whatever, feel free to drop me an email. I'll uh, put them on the show, 
uh, or more importantly, which helps the show, is uh, give us a super chat over in our uh, YouTube uh, chat room. And uh, whatever your uh, question, comment, concern is, we'll make it part of the live show. Um, we do have the Canelo Alvarez Triple G fight coming up in a couple of weeks. We will be doing a live post-fight show, which means we will be doing the show as soon as the fight is over. When the official announcement is made, we will be uh, live and we will be uh, uh, giving you our thoughts and in most cases, uh, try to open up the phone lines to get your thoughts. Uh, hopefully, this fight is going to be uh, uh, half of what uh, uh, the expectations are, and, and I'll be happy about that. There are some other things in the world of boxing that we're all anxiously awaiting for. One of them is the official announcement of uh, the fight uh, that many of us believe will take place, or at least it's been said by all parties involved. And that, of course, is Deontay Wilder defending his WBC World Heavyweight title uh, against Tyson Fury. I love the fight. I just don't think Tyson Fury's ready. I've went on record to say that I believe that Deontay will knock him out. And I do believe it's a smart move for Deontay to, to fight Tyson Fury right now, not only because I think he'll be able to take him, um, uh, but also it'll increase the bargaining power he has with uh, Anthony Joshua. Now in Tyson Fury's defense, this guy's a, a, a cagey veteran in there. Uh, he knows how to hold. He knows how to tie you up. He can box. He can move for a big guy. Uh, so it's an interesting fight. The question is, is he, is he ready? Is he back at his old form? Because he needs to be at the same form he was against Klitschko uh, in order to stand a chance against Deontay. But nonetheless, it has not been... Uh, announced. We also talked earlier about the uh, Daniel Jacobs and uh, Sergei Devarinchenko fight. That fight uh, will open some doors in the middleweight division. Uh, Dax reminded us about Murata's fight over in Japan. He's also a regular WBA middleweight champ, so we got a title there. We got the IBF title going to the winner of uh, Devarinchenko and, and Daniel Jacobs, and then, of course, uh, the big fight between Triple G and Canelo. They'll have the rest of the belts. Don't forget about Billy Joe Sanders. He's got the WBO belt. He's fighting Dimitri Sanjade. So we got some great fights coming up, and uh, we'll be uh, talking about them uh, here. So um, with that said, I just want to remind everyone to uh, make sure you tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.